0: uh a few weeks ago I know I I got to we got to exclude you Jason when Ben and I got together to uh to eat a wonderful bakery in my neighborhood Ben this weekend Jason and I got together and excluded you.
1: Well hold on no we didn't there's solid photographic proof that all three of us were at the thing you're talking about.
0: That's a very good point. From the neck down Ben strongly resembles my 2-year-old which I did not remember being the case, but you're right. There is evidence on Twitter that that Ben was there too. Uh,
2: Jason, I just think that this means that we have to get together and exclude Adam.
1: Yeah, definitely. I don't know what we'll do, but uh, we'll do something that Adam would also enjoy.
2: Drink rum. <laughs> uh, well, he, Adam wouldn't enjoy that, but now we have a official rum sponsor, so Adam is legally. Uh, my legal advice is Adam is required mm. to like rum now. I
0: do not what I'm referring to um, it was an event on Saturday at Audi Field. The Cooligans, who we've had on the show, uh, really great guys, Alexis and Christian, uh, two comedians from New York who have a wonderful podcast. Uh, they came down to Audi Field, the Total Soccer Show. Daryl and Taylor came up from Richmond, and they put on a show. And Ben Olsen was there, and Jason Davis was there, and Pablo Maurer was there, and Junior Moreno was there. And it was, uh, it was a good time.
1: I, I, and I, think I was I, there. And Ben. I remember Ben not being a... there. Ben, uh, <laughs> ben spat his water into his cup repeatedly. Uh, <laughs> he hit me in the back with a soccer ball at one point. Uh, and he spent a lot of time around. just running aimlessly.
0: Yes, much giggling while running. <laughs> wanting to go outside, occasionally screaming. And I had to take him outside. Talking about Ben, of course, not my two-year-old. Yes. Uh, he, he played in the medical cart outside of the Heineken club. Um, this is so all he, true. He, he in fact played with Quincy, Quincy Ameriqua's son who was there. Cause Quincy Ameriqua was a guest during and, the, and
1: the show. I, I want to give a shout out to Trevor who spent about 10 to 15 minutes calming Ben down so that Adam could have a break. Yes. Uh, that was very nice. It was, <laughs> that it was strange. I, I, that I, an adult needed this much uh, calming, um, but uh, that's how it went. Yeah, and they Ben was just, tra- and just tra- having, tra- having tra- a lot of fun. I
0: didn't play with Ben for a little while. Um, it's also weird that Ben was on the guest list. Uh, most of us paid for our tickets. Ben did not. He was put on the guest list as Adam Taylor's baby. <laughs> it, it, it's yeah, a man. joke. Christian Polanco made, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, great show. Uh, I I'll, I'll put in a plug for the Cooligans and TSS. They put out a, a two part podcast on. That crosses their feeds, and it's it's a lot of fun. They recorded it at an Airbnb somewhere in DC after the show. Um, got to talk to them a little bit after the show, and really nice guys. Fantastic to talk to. I got to meet some listeners as well. Um, and and I'm sorry for any names I, I'm forgetting to mention right now, but uh, it was great to to hear from some of you. I heard from some on Twitter afterwards. They didn't know it we looked like I was like, I was the one chasing Ben.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And,
0: uh, yeah. It was a, it was a great time. Um, I'm glad I got to go. Even if I, I had to miss some of the show because of Ben's antics.
1: It was, it was, I mean, I, I have a weird, uh, a fairly weird, relationship with Audi field as a DC United fan, because I haven't been as a fan to a DC United game. And this was one of the many places in the stadium that I've never seen. Um, The only times I've seen the um, Heineken lounge is just the rooftop deck. I've been up there, but I haven't been anywhere else in that part of the structure. So I, I in fact, wasn't even 100% sure what was in there until I walked in and was like, Oh, uh it's this is like a whole space where there's food and beverages and and some space and all that stuff um i didn't know what it was so um that part of it was was pretty unique and uh i I thought it was cool to see like outsiders be so happy to be at the stadium like uh both the guys from the Cooligans, the guys from total soccer show they were like this this is really cool that we're amazed that we're allowed to be here we're kind of um can't believe that someone was like, "Yeah, sure, let us do this." Which I think us on our show, we understand that a lot. Um, <laughs> anytime, anytime a guest of any prominence has been on this show, I'm like, "Wait, really? <laughs> You're willing to come hang out with with us uh, and talk about goats?" Um is, Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that was kind of it. Was kind of cool to see that it's not just us that it's like, you know, this can this sort of thing goes on and it's still, you know, people are humble about it and are still like, wow, I can't believe this is actually happening.
0: Yeah. I, one thing about the the Heineken space, and this was my first time inside that building as well. It is super Instagrammable. They, yes,
1: it's definitely designed whatever, for you to take photos.
0: Yeah. The, the one wall that's black with all the bottoms of the bottle sticking out. Um, Number one, Ben loved playing on that. He <laughs> loved touching the bottles, despite the signs that clearly said, do not touch. He was all about touching those bottles. Uh, but it was also just very cool looking in 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 some of the pictures that, that the Cooligans got. And they shared, they they brought in a photographer for this and she did a fantastic job. Go check out their, their uh, Facebook or, or Twitter page if you want to see them and, and follow her because uh, she was really good. Um, they're just, it, it looks like, a backdrop specifically designed for this which i assume it was uh and it looks very nice in photographs so anyway hey hey welcome in this is filibuster the black and red united and chasing two-year-old ben around podcast i'm adam taylor they are ben bromley who's not actually two and jason anderson who may or may not be and
2: who two. wasn't actually in dc ben don't
0: look don't, the photo says otherwise that's true. There's photographic evidence. You okay. were excluded, but you were there. <laughs> Not sure how that works. Uh, ben Schrodinger is is in the house, I guess. Um, we are all from blackandredunited.com. We cover DC United. We're talking about DC United tonight. Disappointing, yet still I I don't I have mixed feelings about this game. We'll get two to two it. Two draw with the New England Revolution that we'll get to in the first segment later. We will be previewing DC United's game against FC Cincinnati. Uh, There's another game this week against Atlanta, but that's too far in the future to even fathom right now. So instead, we're going to talk about what we're drinking. Jason, what are you drinking?
1: Uh, I realize my answer needs some context. Um, So I'm going to give my answer and my context, and I would appreciate uh, everyone hold their comments until the end. Should Um, should we
0: ask Ben to edit in some music right now for for story time?
1: No. I I won't won't do that. (laughs) 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 Ben probably has better things to do with his life than to add music to this. Um, No, I am drinking uh, Budweiser. And I'm drinking it because Budweiser made a multi-year commitment to sponsor the NWSL. So I uh, felt compelled to go buy their product. I had not felt felt compelled to do that before. But I did now, and I assume I, I hope that they are willing to uh, listen to our podcast and hear me say that and continue the sponsorship uh, for more money than they're already giving.
0: Maybe they could throw some
1: our way too. Sure, they got it.
0: I think they they have lots of money. I could drink Goose Island. I could drink Blue Moon. Back I
1: don't. Yeah, I don't know how that stuff breaks down. I, like, I don't know if. Um, Drinking a connected beer uh, directly benefits the league as much. Um, so to play it safe, uh, I went out and bought an eighteen pack of Budweiser in cans. So Bud, Bud Heavy. Yes, not Bud Light. Correct. Yeah, uh, if they had said Bud Light, I would have I would have gone out and done that instead.
2: So well, I do prefer Bud Heavy to here. Bud Light.
1: Yes, I'm I'm with you on that one, Ben. Definitely. Adam, I'm not even actually sure what you said other than um, you mentioned Ashlyn Harris, who uh, has become uh, an amazing uh, content poster uh, very recently.
0: Yes. She, she really she, has
1: decided she's going to do whatever she wants online and it's great.
0: And she should continue to do so. Um, I, I, I was referencing a joke from your, your other podcast for guests. Um, Ashlyn Harris is not going to insult you because you're drinking butt heavies.
1: That's true, I, or at least I hope. I mean, she's allowed. I think she's earned it at yeah. this point. That's fair. That's fair. Ben, what are you drinking?
2: I am drinking – right now I am drinking a uh, vodka sour because vodka is the only thing we have in our house right now. But uh, in the spirit of macro brews, I want to say that unfortunately I enjoyed Natter Days, and I'm, I'm sad about it, but I enjoyed it. Natty Light has made me buy a product of theirs, and it's unfortunate.
1: Wait, is that that like strawberry lemonade deal? Yeah, it's good though. I've it's heard I, I've heard that from like three or four different people now, um, and I th- it is think, good. I don't, I don't. All right, I'm, I'm saying three or it. four because I don't know who uh, said it because every all events in my life now sort of blend together, um, but I think. Uh, Martin Schatzer might have been one of those people. He might have posted I on Instagram he that it was good. Um, I love like, Martin. Uh, it, I do not trust his taste buds.
2: Adam, it, it Adam? is. Or what about Ben? No comment. It, it, it is. It is known <laughs> to be well. Many people say it is better than Bud Light Lime. So that's all, and is, you is all that, know my opinion on Bud Light Lime. People are hearing or people are
1: saying that it might be better. <laughs>
0: So this is a product called Natterdays, yes, it's like Saturdays, but with an N because it's by
2: okay. Light, yeah, and, and it's it like is, strawberry lemonade, and it just it tastes like a strawberry it, lemonade it, that happens to be four point five percent alcohol. It, is this like a Mike's
1: so
0: it's a hard, hard Lemonade? Vibe? It's, not a, it's not a beer. It's yeah, it's Mike's Hard Lemonade, right?
2: I guess who's to know at this point? What what is a beverage?
0: I mean, yeah, we're probably like a surprisingly small number of weeks away from me, like somehow ending up with alcoholic uh, seltzer water and just drinking it on the show. Yeah. So I'm not going to judge you for this. It's not a shandy, so we're still okay, but I'm, I'm not totally comfortable, but I I know I'm going to be.
2: Both me and my wife were like, we hate, that natural light made something good because <laughs> it's natural light and we don't want them to make anything good.
0: That's, so, that's, that's where percent. we are. Uh, I am not drinking a macro brew or a uh, hard lemonade. I am drinking port city from Alexandria, Virginia uh, optimal vit good wheat that's beer. Good one too. I like it. It's uh, it's local. It's tasty. I approve. Um, Shall we get into the soccer? 12 minutes into the Uh, show now.
2: (laughs) I mean, I'd prefer not to talk about the first half, but obviously we have to.
0: Uh, Where else are you going to start but the beginning? DC United managed to play their worst half of 2019 and probably their best half in several months, both in the same game on Friday, tying the New England Revolution two to two on buzzard point disappointing to drop two points but the second half was also encouraging so it's a weird amalgam of emotions amalgam amalgam it's a word that i've seen written and i'm saying it out loud now and i don't like how it sounds um we're just going to move right past that and, Please and do. talk about this first half because it was really bad jason it was a really bad start like, yeah, I this literally was, a- was not in my seat when United lost or, or conceded the first goal.
1: Yeah, this this half was really about as bad as it's been all year. Um, I, I'm struggling to think of another game where I was more just disappointed with what I was seeing. Um, and it wasn't that Lucho was suspended. Um, it was a collective players didn't know where to be. Um, no the one defense was, th- was bad. Yeah, the, the defending was poor, and it was poor in ways that is normally – even when D.C. has played bad, you don't see like Steve Birnbaum heading the ball backwards for no reason. Um, and yeah. that's something that he is excellent at, and just all of a sudden it just was not his first half, really. The whole half was right. pretty rough for him. Um, just across the board, um, the connection between the defense and central midfield, I thought Canales and Moreno were really struggling um, in all aspects of the game. Um, and, and, you know, after the game, Ben Olsen said it took them a while to get into, um, the formation, but this was a formation we've seen them play more or less. I mean, I called this one more of a three, four, three than other games, but the difference is really small. Um, and the problems they were having were, had nothing to do with those differences. Um, the problems they were having were just some basic execution stuff, um, it just seemed like no one was really at the races. Whereas the revs came out, and I, I don't think the revs played particularly well. They just pounced on what was given to them, and what was given to them were, were two of the easiest goals that DC's given up this year. Um, it was it was really rough. Um, I, I don't think anyone outside of of Hamid came out of the first half with any anything positive to say about themselves. It was really really bad. Yeah, you hear
0: about the margins being really fine at the professional level, and how being two percent better can can give you that edge. This this was an, at best a ninety percent effort from from a lot of the players, or just as a team, and it showed. Like they easily could have been down by three rather than just two, and they they could have had Paul Ariel and not just put his head down and decided I'm going to create a goal right now um united might have been down 2 at the half instead of pulling that one back it was it was bad it was i there's just not another word for it and they were bad against dallas and they were bad out of the gate ag- against new england and i i don't know why they weren't geared up, why they weren't focused, if they thought it was going to be easy without one of their best players on the field to beat a, another professional soccer team or who, who's who been on a tear and hasn't lost in, what, eight, ten games now? This was,
1: this was their eighth game without a loss.
0: Yeah. So I don't know why you would not be ready to go in that situation, but they weren't. And uh, they changed some things at halftime, even got things going a little bit before halftime with Hara's goal
1: and, and I think I think Hara's goal kind of saved the day. Yeah. Um, I think if that doesn't get in, which is to say if Matt Turner doesn't botch uh what should have been a routine save um all credit And credits, if Paul
2: Ariola doesn't go ham on that.
1: Well not just that. I mean um it, Hara mentioned after the game that they specifically worked during the week. Um they had noticed the team had noticed the coaching staff had said that um when the ball gets wide new england tends to flood the center of the box and so the back the, the back post usually ends up with some some space um and hara ended up with acres of space because the revs despite being on a run right now are still bad um they're just you know at the best the best of they can be but they're still a bad team and they still do dumb stuff like this um but hara finished like a wing back and not like an attacking player and if Matt Turner does anything better with that one, this is probably a loss. I don't think DC comes back at all without that goal. Um, yeah,
0: I think Turner was expecting Hara to blast it at him instead of just redirecting it into a bounce that came up and it, it, it was essentially a downward header, but with his foot,
1: which. Yeah, I, I think it probably did fool him a little bit, but in that instance, he shouldn't but have been. you a professional
0: goalkeeper. He... Your job is yeah. to, to stop that shot. <laughs>
1: So yeah, I think, I think that goal ended up being of enormous importance and yeah, like you guys have both mentioned, um, Paul Areola's importance to DC United once again, coming through because this was a game where someone DC clearly needed somebody to step up and, and take, take the team on its back a little bit. And it's so often been Rooney this season. Um, it's nice to see someone else come do the job, uh, because without Lucho on the field, you look at the rest of the players that are out there and you start to think, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, if it's not Rooney, who is it going to be? Um, so good for Ariola to come back, you know, get his first game back from national team duty and immediately um, get back to work doing what he does best. And he combined. Yeah, gonna, role- oh, go ahead, Ben. You
2: no, know, I was just going to say uh, it, it was obvious in this game how much dc united has missed ariola uh, these uh, this past gold cup break uh, he has he brought a spark that has not been in this team for a while now and it needs to uh, be there uh, across the entire midfield and hopefully now that he's back the, uh, more people can Im- embody that sp- that spark
0: yeah. Hopefully they can keep whatever focus they had in the, the second half because they came out flying. They had a few chances early on in the second half. Uh, Paul Ariel and Hara combined uh, to set up Wayne Rooney for a sitter that he, he put over the bar, um, which is not something you expect from Wayne Rooney, he, but he did explain.
1: He did explain on that one. He uh, Rooney's recall of what happened in games is, is pretty remarkable. Um is one thing I've picked up on uh, in all these post game uh, attempts to or ability or availabilities to talk to him. Um, he was saying that the ball came in low, and he was convinced that Farrell was going to get to the ball and clear it, or at least deflect it away from him. But he thought he still had the time to think because everything moves so slowly for him as compared to normal humans. Um, he still had the time to think. Well, take a you know take a swing at it just in case it gets through. Um, and so he was already swinging his leg when the ball got past Farrell. And in the time it got to him, he didn't have time to adjust his foot. And he's, as I think he said, um, it hit me shin, um, and (laughs) went over the bar. Um, yeah, it definitely
0: did pop up on him.
1: Yeah. but. But his recall of exactly what happened and why it hit his shin, um, is the remarkable part. It's not like, uh, yeah, I tried to do something and the ball hit me in a place I didn't expect it to. Uh, he knew exactly what happened the whole way through. He could probably tell you what panel of the ball struck his shin um, because that's, you know, soccer just happens at a speed that for Rooney, uh, soccer happens at a speed that is just unfamiliar to the rest of us.
0: So what changed at halftime? What, Jason, did you see any tactical shifts? I know. Uh, Bobby Warshaw at the league website talked about DC United just being locked in and even sprinting to throw ins faster and getting where they needed to be in transition just faster and recognizing things immediately instead of taking a second to. What did you notice at halftime?
1: Um, that's definitely a big thing. Um, you know, he's not the only, the only person that saw that. They were really um it, they had the look of a team that not necessarily got yelled at. Um, but definitely something was said in the locker room that sparked a positive emotional response and some urgency was brought in. Maybe there was a specific emphasis on, um, quickening everything about how they were playing. Um, I don't know. I don't know if, if, you know, the coaching staff might've had some data and said, Hey, we need to play at this pace because the pace we've been playing at is clearly not going to cut it. I don't know. Um, that wasn't made clear after the game, but they definitely um, picked it, picked it up. And it's one of those simple things. Um, But if you play, if you're DC United and you have the players you have, which are pretty good players who have maybe been playing a little slow uh, for a while now, if you just pick the tempo up, it's, you know, the, the game plan doesn't change. Everything just happens faster. And like I just said, with Rooney seeing the game faster than just about everyone else, Well, guess, guess who everyone else includes the New York or the New England revolution. Um, And so DC is making the game happen faster than the Revs can deal with. Um, So that was a big part of it. But I I, I think if you combine that, just that up, you know, up tempo uh, approach, which is, I will say it's tough to replicate um, in, in the summer. That's not something that they can do over and over again. Um, It can work in one game, but if you keep going to that, well, you're going to eventually find nothing at the bottom. Um, The other thing that I think is a big key in them improving their play is Junior Moreno and Russell Canal seem to know much, have a much better awareness of where to be on both sides of the ball. And all of a sudden, instead of the defense always seeming, you know, all of a sudden it would, the revs would break forward and it would be three defenders against however many runners the revs were sending forward. All of a sudden that stopped happening. You stop seeing those, those overloads and, and, the four V threes weren't happening anymore because Canales and Moreno were either picking their man up on the way or cutting the runoff so that that runner never even gets through or preventing the through ball that would have turned into the break. Um, I think their step up in play, their step up in awareness uh, positionally. I think that is as much of a factor as anything else, because I think we got two different DC United's. And I also think the, the comparison in quality of play between and Moreno first half, where they were maybe the worst two players on the field uh, outside of arguably Burnbaum. Um, in the second half, they were two of the best players on the field. And as is so often the case in soccer, if your central midfield is playing extremely well, you're probably going to have a good chance to win. If they're playing really badly, you're probably going to lose. And this was one of the, the many examples of that.
2: As, as Ben Olson said in the halftime inter- interview, uh, their central midfield was being overrun in the first half. And it was obvious just by looking at the play on the field that, uh, Knauss and Moreno just were absent basically the entire first half and they weren't able to prevent anything from happening. And like Jason was saying, just their ability to step up in the second half was a large part of, of the change.
0: I thought TT Rodriguez did a lot better in the second half, too. Um, he, he obviously drew the yellow card that, that got um, Zahibo sent off.
2: He didn't but, draw it. Zahibo just fouled him. I yeah. No,
0: he beat, he beat Zahibo to the ball. Like he, yeah, he, but,
2: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel I, like I drawing that, it has a bad connotation.
0: And, uh, sorry, draw it. I'm used to saying it in the basketball context. You draw a foul means you got yeah, fouled. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he. He didn't, you know, flop or anything to, no, to no, or no. con the ref or anything. Zahibo but fouled him and deserved he, that second yellow. Yeah. He he made a play and got fouled and it was a yellow card foul because he beat Zahibo to the ball. Um yeah. I, I thought he was getting on the ball in maybe a little deeper. He wasn't and, and getting on the ball more and, and I I've said on the show, Lucho, one of his qualities as a number ten is he's a high usage number ten compared to some other creative attacking midfielders. He wants to be on the ball all the time. He doesn't just want to be the guy that makes the pass before the pass and nothing else. He wants to be involved basically for every stage of the buildup. And that's kind of how this team has been built. They need someone to kind of, move things around. And and that might be Rooney at some point dropping back. Uh, it might be Lucho. It was nice to see TT T. Rodriguez do a, even a little bit of that and get a little more high usage, even if he was coming in from the wing.
1: And, and maybe that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I had kind of the game being on Friday, things are starting to trickle out of my brain. Uh, the further and further we get from when the game was played in the first half, it was really three, four, three in every direction, you know, Rodriguez stayed, um, to one side, Ariola estate to the other. They switched at one point. It didn't really change anything. Um, positionally, they sort of took up the same spots. After halftime, when United would go forward, they would have Rodriguez drop in uh underneath, and so it was almost like a 3-4-1-2. Um, and there were even phases where Rodriguez was deep enough where he was basically between Canals and Moreno, um, in like a line of five. Um and he was finding those. That was the, that was where the space was showing up. And so it was like he was told. You know, Rooney was told stay high. Uh, Areola was told stay high to be the the speed threat. And Rodriguez was told come in and be the connection between the front line and midfield. Um, and all of a sudden, things started happening more quickly. And maybe that's part of it too. Um, just having that extra body in there to um, to to be there in possession. You know, when you're looking for options to pass to really quickly. Um, cause central midfield, you have to play one and two touch most of the time. So you really need someone to already be there ready to go when you're receiving the ball. Um, and having Rodriguez that little bit closer, all of a sudden it changes the geometry of everything else. And so maybe passes that Moreno and canals weren't able to find in the first half all of a sudden were open because Rodriguez was also there and the Rebs maybe had to commit that extra body towards, oh, what if they pass to him instead? Um and so maybe that's the way forward. If this formation, it seems like, you know, Lucho suspended um, for Cincinnati and the second half is clearly, I think it was one of the better second halves or the better 45 minutes we've seen from DC in quite a while. Um, so you, it seems natural to think that you would carry that group on and say, okay, let's build on what we just did um, rather than shuffle things. So it would not shock me to see that approach with Rodriguez as the left center forward, but also dipping in underneath um a lot in in Cincinnati, I think that's probably the way to go with this group um just based on the fact that when he wasn't there, when no one was in that space, they had big problems
0: yeah i the the constant shifts, especially in the second half uh formationally i th- kind of confuse things a little bit for me, but United were better even in the same three, five or three, six, one, whatever you want to call it uh, that, that they played, they created chances at the beginning of the second half. And that switched to a four, two, three, one continued creating chances. And then whatever you want to call the final um, kind of playground formation they were in at the end. <laughs> um, they, they, they were the better team in the second half, no matter what they did. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what what Olsen does knowing that Lucho is out against Cincinnati again. I don't think I'd mind seeing some variant of that that three back again um, just because more minutes for Pines is good. Um, and I, I think the system, that starting point allows for some flexibility to make changes. Either you pull a center back or you push Donovan Pines out wide or or just or, or
2: whatever.
0: Start in a four back. I, I agree. I would like Pines to start alongside Burbom. We we we've talked about this in a hey. in a four back, but for for this week with with Lucho out, um, I I don't mind seeing the three back again. That said, there there's also Atlanta coming on, or you know a trip to Atlanta on Sunday. Not a lot of time between Thursday and Sunday. Uh, If my understanding of Thursdays and Sundays are correct, which it might not be my, my calendar understanding is not the strongest uh, thing. So I'm curious what kind of rotation you guys want to see, knowing that Cincinnati is bottom of the table and Atlanta is a little bit well better than, than that.
2: Um, I mean, at this point, DC United can't not get three points from Cincinnati. They got to kick. Cincinnati's butt at this point and get those three points and worry about Atlanta once they've got those three points.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with Ben. I think psychologically the team needs to build on, um, you know, they came back, they got a draw, they were frustrated, but I think they all realized that as the second half were on, they were, they were finding something, something was happening that hadn't been falling into place for a while now. Um, I think it's very important to, not not mess with that too much you can make one or two changes at the most i think but that's about it before you start um messing with the chemistry that was starting to finally happen after so you know we've been waiting for a while now to see actual um dc united playing at the tempo and with the um the control of the game uh that we saw in this game we've been waiting for it for a while now so um you know if i had to pick if you told me I had to pick one player to rotate, I, I would lean towards maybe like Segura for Hara to have Hara fresh for Atlanta. Um, but that's it. Um, I wouldn't want to go too much further than that. Um, for the simple reason that this team needs a win, they need to have a good performance that ends with a victory. Um, for pure psychological reasons, I think they just need to have that happen. It needs to fall in the place for them so that they can start to think, okay, we follow this process. It ends with this kind of outcome. Um, We can start to feel, you know, like we're meeting expectations because it's been quite a while where the the players on this team are pretty honest with themselves. They know they haven't been meeting the expectations of themselves or the, the, their bosses or the fans. I mean, the team is still in second in the East, but that is through uh, smoke and mirrors. Um, it's because the rest of the East is, uh, constantly finding ways to lose whenever they get on the cusp of possibly overtaking DC in second place. Um, so yeah, it's time to get a win. Um, and I think it's, it's normally, I would say, yeah, you rotate for the game against the weaker opponent and then be at your best for the strong team. But I think DC's in a case where they just need to get a win period. End of.
0: I'm inclined to agree with you guys. Um, you you need the 3 points and even at your best 3 points in Atlanta are are never guaranteed except for their first season but only for DC United coached by Ben Olsen.
2: And, well I, still, let me,
0: I I wish Rob was here so that we could you know <laughs> remind him of that.
1: Uh I will point out that in very recent games uh Cincinnati's won 2 in a row, Atlanta okay. is winless in 3. Um so uh I not makes saying, any sense. I'm not going to tell you that Atlanta is worse than Cincinnati, but we're not necessarily hitting Cincinnati at their absolute garbage worst. And we're not hitting Atlanta at their fearful best. So it's as ever with MLS, it's a weird, weird league where weird stuff happens pretty much all the time.
2: And you just got to win the games in front of you.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it, it, sometimes these truisms that come out of coaches, um, they get frustrating, but like you look around the league and it's like, yeah, there's a reason they, they all say that stuff. Um, and it's not because of a hive mind. It's like you look at what's happening. You say, yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: Well, we're going to take it one segment at a time, take a quick break so that we can leave it all out on the field. And, uh, all right, I'm done. I don't have any more. It's too late at night. As we record this, we will be right back to talk about some of Bruce arena's post game con comments after the new england game and to uh give a little preview for dc united's trip to cincinnati stick around it's filibuster hey ben um you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment would you you can tell Uh, me
2: depends i mean well i should ask you i mean is our goats hostile
0: Welcome back to filibuster, the black and red United podcast. Uh, I mentioned before the break, Bruce Arena had some comments after the game against uh, or between DC United and the New England Revolution on Friday. He's a
2: dumb boomer.
0: (laughs) He he is a dumb boomer. We should we should get that out of the line. He, He is a baby boomer and he has some opinions that are very strongly flavored by the fact that he's a baby boomer. However, he also has some comments that have merit and are worth discussing. Any sentence involving the word millennial is not among them.
1: <laughs> anyway. That's fair. We can rule that. We can chop that part out and not address it. Um, yeah, because it
0: was dumb. Yes. And, and needless. And yeah, we're not going to address it. Otherwise, other than saying it was dumb and needless. After the game, however, Bruce Arena, who, for those of you somehow don't know was DC United's first manager, first coach, won 2 MLS Cups, a supporter supporter shield even though it wasn't called that at the time, and a US Open Cup in 2 seasons. And then went on to do many things, three good seasons. and bad. Um three seasons. He, three seasons, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 3
1: seasons. And all, also uh Champions League and Copa Interamericana.
0: Yeah, he was around in 98 for those.
1: Yeah.
0: Um he is now the coach of the new England revolution came back as an opposing coach to Audi field for the first time since the stadium opened and said that the organization, like it's not that special of a building to him. Uh, It looks nice, but it could be any team in the country, not the, the most decorated professional team in American soccer history. You wouldn't know that DC United has this, strong history going back to the league's founding. If you walked into the stadium, there's no indication that it's been around since 1996, that they've won four MLS cups and and 13 major domestic and international trophies. You wouldn't know any of that. Whereas at RFK, it was in your face everywhere you went. And uh, Jason, I don't think he's wrong.
1: No, I mean, he, the only evidence in the stadium of any of that history is if you go into the team store, um, there are, I want to say at least there's at least one MLS cup. And I think the open cup was in there What's that. All
0: all four MLS cups are there in a a circular display.
1: Right. So there, there is evidence in the building. I'm sure he did not go into the team store, so he wouldn't know. Um, But also is the team store the most prominent place to put the stuff that is like, the absolute fabric, no pun intended of your club and your history. No, it's not. Um, but also the stadium was not built with any obvious place to put that stuff. Um, it's in a lot of ways, you know, I, I said this uh, on Twitter immediately after the game or immediately after, um, getting home, I think, and seeing the comments, I think they were reported by Pablo Mauer and Charlie Bohm. The, the two of them had articles about it. um, it feels like an expansion team stadium like D.C. and I had just started in twenty eighteen. The stadium grew up out of the ground um, overnight. One night it was birthed fully formed from the head of Zeus. Uh, not unlike
0: Loudon County. That's basically what's happening. <laughs>
1: yeah, seriously. Um, uh, but yeah,
2: uh, stadiums are great.
1: Yeah, um, it, it's it's great that it's there, but it does. It it does seem like, and, and obviously there's the suspicion in the fan base that certain elements within the club were trying to just cut that history off entirely. I don't think it was as malicious as that. I think um, there was a lack of understanding of how important that history was, and thus it just was not, yes. it wasn't brought up in the design process. And for the people at Populous, You sit down with a client and they tell you what they want. If they don't say history, 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 then guess what? Your stadium isn't going to reflect that history. And that's probably what happened.
0: Yeah, I think this is another, I I think that's exactly right. It's another example of the front office team that was in place at the time they were building the stadium, not talking to the fans or especially the supporters at all. That's why you ended up with the situation we had last year at the beginning of the year, which I don't want to relitigate. So you don't have the banners and and Bruce Arena specifically said, why are there not banners honoring Marco Echeverry and Jaime Moreno in the rafters? Why are there no championship banners? I don't know if you can do championship banners in an outdoor stadium, but at RFK, you had them painted on a wall. There's blank walls at, at Audi field where you could put something, Um, whether that's in the field, on the walls outside the field level suites at midfield, whether it's on the walls of the Heineken building uh, at the North end of the stadium or, or whether it's somewhere else there's, there's nowhere in the stadium that, that has any reference or even nods at the fact that this team has won a lot and had a lot of great players come through. And Pablo said that the team is working on this and hopefully, we'll see some changes over the off season and some updates that address some of these concerns, but Bruce arena was absolutely right about it. And I think Jason, you're right about the cause.
1: And I'll also mention that even some of the areas that fans can't get to very easily, um, up by the press box in next to the luxury boxes and all that It's not different up there. I'm not walking past a mural of Eddie Pope scoring the game winner in 96 or anything like that. Uh, if the wall is red it is red that's it <laughs> it's a solid red wall all the way down um yeah there's nothing anywhere um and you know I've heard some things offhand um in the stadium uh, not nothing official no one promising me anything just sort of conversationally that um there is interest in putting up some artifacts of some kind um somewhere in the stadium or maybe throughout the stadium um, because When you walk through Audi field, there's a lot of just bare space on the walls. Um, The stairwell that takes you uh, to the press box is like an unfinished basement. Um, And I realized that the stadium was rushed to get open. It's very obvious that they had to work very hard to get there. Um, But I feel like since they opened the doors to now, which is over a year, nothing else has really happened um, other than the sun blocking um drapery uh that is of questionable uh impact in the end um
0: it has taken them them that full year to to put up and take down and put up and take down and put up yes semi-effective right but but that can't
1: be it and yet that is it that's that's really the problem is that they they did the one thing that had problems that were unanticipated so it's i'm sure it's taken up more of the time but um yeah, there just needs to be more of an effort. And some of that comes to uh, the the club is still a smaller staff than everyone else is used to. Everyone's working very hard, but no one has extra time to address these things because there aren't enough people. Um, And so this is one of those things that might in part go back to just taking some things off of people's plates because their plates are all overflowing. Um, That's definitely part of it, but also, you know, the damage to institutional memory uh, from a few years ago when everyone was let go at once, these, this is kind of the outcome is that, you know, you've got a handful of people there who have some connection. Um, but a lot of the people are new to this club and they don't really know what it means. And on game days, they're busy. So they can't come through a, you know, a supporters group tailgate and, and hear what that stuff means. They, you know, there's not a lot going on or there's not a lot of free time because again, no one has free time. They're all work to the bone. and so this is you know this is where it ends up. I, I will say that I feel like Arena th- probably feels like he deserves a statue outside the stadium or something. Um, there's a sense that I have that Arena might not realize how much damage failing to qualify for the World Cup did to his legacy. Um, I think he still thinks that everyone thinks he's the best coach in US soccer history. Um, Which, if you ask people, is not a popular opinion at this point in time. Um, So, yeah, I I think there is that element of just being completely out of touch with the world he's walked back into. But even still, he ended up landing on being correct about this. Like, it doesn't
2: have to be about being correct. Doesn't matter, though. He just needs to shut up. He, he doesn't deserve to talk anymore. I mean, he, it, des- it, he does deserve to talk, but like have some fucking awareness.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is a, it's an irritating time to get a message from a pretty flawed messenger um, is the way I, I would put it in a much more politically correct terms than then, but it, it means the same thing. We're getting at the same point. Um, This is maybe not the person that should be delivering this message, but at the same time, it, someone delivered it. So that's, it's a start. If it, it, or I should say it could become a start if the team acts on it because they just got called out, it became a big deal because maybe in fact, because the messenger was a flawed messenger is why they got called out more than if, you know, if Greg Vanny had come here and said something, it would have been like, okay, Greg, um, you were, you were at this club for what, like six months, let's settle down. Um, but the fact that it was arena did kind of force a glare onto the team that maybe wouldn't have been there otherwise. So um, I hope they feel to a certain extent chastened uh, and have some sort of urgency to put some things in because this should be, you shouldn't walk into the stadium and not know the team's history. You shouldn't, you know, a newcomer shouldn't look around and see someone with uh, four stars above the crest and be like, Oh, I wonder what that's about. Um, they should be able to know just from looking around. It should be obvious. Um, the difference this is the difference between Audi Field and the RFK. At RFK, you walked in there, there wasn't anything but a thing just screaming history at you. Um, that's all we had. So that's what we put up there is like, this is what we got. We don't have anything else. We don't have nice furniture. We don't have a nice car. We have this history, and you're going to look at it. And then when the game starts, you look at that and then get the hell out of here. Um, and uh, maybe we could use a dose of that. Well, D.C.
0: United will be going to uh, another historic stadium this week, though not one historic for soccer reasons. Uh, They will travel to Cincinnati, play FC Cincinnati for the first time Thursday at Nippert Stadium out there. Watch it on ESPN at eight o'clock if you're not making the trip uh one thing Stadium
2: stuck sucks <laughs> <laughs> i've been there it sucks it's a bad stadium i haven't Thank been there for you. soccer but it's a bad stadium
1: ben is speaking as an authority on cincinnati things because that is where he's from yep so i take his word for it that nippert stadium must not be good yeah anyone who likes skyline chini,
0: i will chili i will trust their opinions on cincinnati but not on food
2: well, hold on. Okay. Fine. Battle? Fine. I'm, okay. All right, Adam. I'll, I'll I'll shit on your Evansville things.
0: Let's <laughs> I mean, go. Let's I, go. My, my Evansville things are very easy to mock. Midwest model. fight. <laughs> because I don't have any shits to
2: give anymore. I am ready to fight. What we have is
0: uh, fried fiddlers, which are young. Well, I
2: already
1: know. That's nothing, Adam. I'm sorry. You've already lost this dispute. I, just the name of that alone.
0: <laughs> and we have uh fried brain sandwiches.
1: Are there actual brains? Yes. Okay.
2: All we were, like ours is just chocolate chili. So no. No, it's
0: sugary cinnamon chili. That's not even it's chili. It's chocolate chili inside. did not
1: improve the situation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I admit my food, my my hometown foods are weird and and not high culinary, but it's not pasta sauce pretending to be chili.
2: It's a literary different. I'm not going to get into it. It's a literary difference. It's not like Texas has made chili one thing, but it, the word no, means different beans things.
0: Beans and chili. Uh, I'm not a Texas purist by any means, but there's got to yeah. be some cumin in there. I, I will say.
2: I there is guys- cumin in there, Adam. Not enough. Can I tell
1: you guys about the culinary traditions of my hometown, Crofton, which include the Taco Bell and the McDonald's. (laughs) And at one point the Applebee's.
0: I'm fanning myself, Jason.
1: (laughs) There was a little Caesars. This is a true story. There was a little Caesars there until little Caesars all over the country uh, seemed to all shut down at once. And then like 15 years later, Little Caesars came back to Crofton and I heard about it and I happened to be driving through there and it was in the exact same location. <laughs> the tiny the little tiny place next to 7 Eleven on 424 went back to being Little Caesars after years of not being Little Caesars. And it did not it blew my mind. It still does. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> little Caesars pizza pizza is time travel. Clearly. That's the only explanation. Let's, let's uh, oh, I like that I'm getting no pushback for that being the only explanation. Let, let's talk about FC Cincinnati. They're bad. They, they, they bad. 17 points from 20 games, minus 25 gold differential. And uh, that's despite winning their last two games. That's their record. They lost six straight before winning their last two. So, Jason, my question is, what has worked the last two games? that wasn't working before.
1: Uh well the last game what worked is that the Chicago Fire were even worse. Um, <laughs> if you <laughs> play bad teams. Is yeah, good for Yeah. Um if you go and fire up the um oh god another uh, another terrible fun. Um, go put your ESPN Plus on and watch Go, go
0: self-flagellate Jason. That's not um, okay.
1: Watch the Fire and FC Cincinnati game. Just turn it on and skip the pregame show and watch it from kickoff. Within 45 seconds, you'll see FC Cincinnati take the lead uh, on some defending that is basically like the kind of thing you would see in a rec league. Um, It's just a dumb blind cross into the box that the fire just make a complete mess of and don't defend at all. Um, And that's kind of how the fire played that game. They also missed a penalty kick. They could have uh, leveled the scores. Um, they almost missed a second penalty kick. Uh, it got saved, and then uh, Nico Gaetan happened to score the rebound. Um, but yeah, the fire were terrible and still dominated the game. Um, just to give you the idea of where Cincinnati is at right now, they were outplayed badly and sort of got lucky um, to get this win even as bad as um, Chicago played. Cincinnati, you know, if Cincinnati played at an average level for an MLS team, they would have won this game in a route. Um, and instead they had to kind of stumble into a late game winner, uh, which was only their sixth shot attempt of that entire game. Um, it's just, uh, it's been a weird, um, I I guess I, I say weird, but actually it's not because we've seen Minnesota do the same thing where they just come into the league and are not prepared to be in MLS yet. Um, and that's what Cincinnati did. They assembled a roster that just, um, is not ready for being in this league um i will give them credit for uh beating the houston dynamo though the dynamo are kind of in free fall at the moment Uh, i don't really understand that um but yeah it's another situation where they came out they got an early lead and then they hung on um the dynamo almost came back from three three zero down to come back and uh get a tie out of that game um they don't generate shots. They don't have very many good defenders or midfielders. Like It's just a roster that isn't qualified for MLS.
0: They fired their coach, won a couple of games, I think, after they fired him and then went into the, that free fall again. Um, do they even have a style of play at this point, or are they just out there trying to survive week to week?
1: Yeah, I I think they do. It's, it's kind of, I mean, it's sort of survival soccer They're They're not going to play. They're not going to push very high. Um, I think before the game, they told the, the announcers for this Chicago game that they planned on trying to press higher up the field. And then they scored within 45 seconds and then immediately retreated into a shell. So I have no idea what their actual plan was. Um, because the game state gave them the reason to uh hunker down immediately. Um, so it's hard to tell exactly what they were going to do. Um, there is a tendency for them to sort of play home run ball, um, with Emmanuel Ledesma out on the right trying to play either long crosses or long balls over the top um for a runner. So he's looking to sort of win the game with one play. Um but outside of that, it's it's been kind of sit deep. Um, be in a in a low block or maybe a mid block um try not to be exposed at the back because their defenders are mostly not very good um and that's kind of it it's it's sort of i'm i'm curious to see what they do at home um because if they sit in like this at home you know you're going to have an angry fan base the expectation is they're going to come out and try and win the game and um the way they've been playing has not been really to go aggressively, try and win the game. It's been to try and hit on the break um, with these balls over the top. So we'll see Um, that I will say they have more of an identity now under um, Yohan Dame, who is the youngest coach in MLS history. He's 29. Um, I believe he was the youngest assistant coach in the league before he became the interim head coach. Um, Kind of an interesting guy. he, Uh, was trying to make it as a professional and at 16 years old, apparently realized that he was not going to make it and went into coaching instead. And that's how you get to be a coach at this level at 29. Um, And what are you doing with your life? uh, Yeah, seriously, I I screwed up completely or, or was born in the wrong place. Um, One of the two, Um, but yeah, uh, he's figured out that the roster is not very good and he's sort of dispensed with any, uh, lofty pretensions to trying to keep possession or high press or anything like that. I think, I think when he told the fire announcers that he wanted to play or he wanted to press higher up the field, what he was trying to say was we don't want to be in a bunker 90 minutes. We'd like to sort of push up the field a little bit, which sounds a lot like when DC United has been really bad, you know, and also in, in 2013, we'd be like, yeah, we'd like to not play on the back foot for 90 minutes. And then they would end up on the back foot for 90 minutes, despite their best efforts. And that's kind of life as FC Cincinnati these days.
0: So you mentioned they like to, uh, they like to counter over the top. Generally it helps if you have some speed, they do have Darren Maddox on their roster. So obviously they're starting him, right?
1: They are not, they're not even putting him in the 18. Oh, they Um, must have
0: another speedster that they're, they're putting ahead of him. Right.
1: Well, um, <laughs> if you're Frank Klopas, you think Fernando Adi has some speed. Uh, but if you're everybody else that's seen Fernando Adi play, uh, you know, that's not true. Um, Rashawn Dolly is there, has started their What is this? Um, he has started their last three games, uh, up top and Rashawn Dolly was drafted at roughly the same point in the draft as like Shinya Kadono, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they drafted him. They sent him out on loan. It was clearly a, a project for the future, but the cupboard is bare. And so he's been starting up top. Now he, he is kind of quick. Um, he works extremely hard, but we're talking about a guy that went late in the college draft. He has the skill level that you would expect in that position. Um, so he's not going to make the best runs. So no matter how fast he actually is, he doesn't really make good runs. So his job is basically to be a defensive forward. And so he does his best at that. Um, The last two games, they brought Adi in, in the 67th and 66th minutes. Um, So that's sort of maybe going to become the thing is like, let's see if we can keep this game close. And then in the final 20 to 30 minutes, we'll send Adi in and try and take our shot at getting on the board, Um, which to, to Adi's credit, Uh, it worked like a charm against, uh, Chicago because he got one chance and he put it away. Um, the downside of that game plan is that Fernando Adi, that was his first goal of 2019. Um, because it turns out they spent a huge amount of money to get him and he's not all that good. Um, that's not to say he's not, he's not terrible, but if he's your main goal scoring threat, and at this point it appears that he is because they aren't even putting Maddox in uniform for reasons that I can't divine, um, then you're in trouble. Um, and so it looks like right now that's the, the way of it is to sort of try and hang on and get Adi out there for the last few minutes, see if they can find a goal that way. Um, ben, you, you might be familiar with the strategy. You have saw the Richmond Kickers do it with uh, Frank the Tank. Um, but if memory serves that season didn't go that well for the kickers.
2: Yeah, no, no recent seasons have gone well for the kickers. It's, uh, it, it, it's almost like you have to play your best players from the beginning of games and not try and sub (laughs) them on from the end of games.
0: I don't know, Ben, that sounds crazy. Yeah. You want to have an impact player on the bench,
1: right?
2: (laughs) Yes, you do. But you also want to have impact players from the beginning of games. It turns out the whole
1: game is, is counts.
2: It's not just what happens at the very end. Right. Um, it's a, it's a 90 minute game, not a 20 minute game.
0: Well, it's funny too, because I, I read on Twitter and I'm, I apologize. I can't remember who I saw that tweeted. Adam, this. Adam,
2: you're reading on Twitter.
0: Yeah, I know. But apparently FC Cincinnati is, has conceded the second most goals in the league in the last 15 minutes of games behind only the new England revolution this year. So, their, their plan of saving it for late and winning the game late is obviously working really well. <laughs>
1: um, I will say I'm, I'm, I am reading just now that I, I guess Maddox missed the last game uh, because of a family matter in Jamaica. So he missed their last two. Um, and then before that was the gold cup. So perhaps that's why he hasn't been in uniform lately. Um, so they might, they probably should uh, put him out there because all due respect to Rashawn Daly, Um, Maddox is a lot better than him and I'm sure Maddox is super motivated to prove that DC should have kept him as a starter. Um, regardless of Wayne Rooney being Wayne Rooney. Um, that's the kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that I expect that for Maddox, that's how he motivates himself. Um, he's definitely a, I'm going to show my old team, uh, and make them regret it kind of guy. Um, so if he's back in Cincinnati and he's fit to play at all, I assume they would put him out there and I assume he, they would instantly become a more dangerous team.
0: What else do we need to know about Cincinnati? We know they're on the back foot. We know they'll try to put something over the top. And when Fernando Addy was with Portland, when he was at his best, he was able to you know, kind of go one V the defense and, and score a goal from time to time. Um, he actually had a real knack for scoring every kind of goal when he was at his best with Portland but what else should we know about about FCC
1: uh they, they tend to play I mean their central midfield or their midfield altogether in this last game um Ledesma was out on the right and he is more of a number 10 so he wants to play it narrow um, Alan Cruz was out on the left and he is from his time in Costa Rica, he was more of a number eight or even a number six. Um, whereas Cincinnati has played him in various wide positions to not, he hasn't been bad. It's just kind of a weird thing that I had never seen him, uh, do before he came to MLS. Um, but again, it's another guy that maybe wants to be more narrow, um, um, Kakuta Mane has played as a as sort of a 10 but he's not really a playmaker it's more like he can make runs from there um but they've also had him and Cruz switch um that happened in this last game um so if they have Mane on the wing that might be something to watch out for that long cross field ball uh because Mane while he's not nearly as in form as he was before he left uh MLS he's still pretty fast he's still got a knack for making plays on his own um it's just that he doesn't get many opportunities to do anything because Cincinnati is who they are. Um, but he does have three goals, three assists, so it's not like his season has been awful. Uh, but by Cincinnati standards, that is a pretty good season. I think um, that ties him for the team lead. Right. Um, so, yeah, dealing with Mane, whether it's balls over the top or him as that um, sort of central attacking Yeah, it's almost like a second forward role rather than an attacking midfielder role. Um, He's one to keep an eye on for sure. Um, Yeah, a lot of their game is based on risk avoidance um, and looking for set pieces. They've got Kendall Waston, who is always a threat. So um, definitely keeping them from getting too many free kicks is going to be important Uh, on the turf at Nippert, it wouldn't shock me to see the game get kind of ragged and those games tend to have a lot of set piece opportunities. So if it kind of falls into that, then United needs to be very sharp dealing with what they don't have a lot of other threats, but Kendall Austin is Kendall Austin. I mean, he has, um, been a goal scorer at a, on a pretty regular basis, despite being a center back. So. um Those are the big worries that basically the, the worries on this team are the guys that used to play for the white caps. I'm
0: going to say (laughs) anyone, what a weird choice to, uh, what a weird choice to rebuild that team.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't get
0: it. Um. But yeah, so the white caps have had some really good players come through and just not (laughs) maximizing. Yeah. It's like, don't go to the white, unless you're, you're Alfonso Davies. Don't go to the white caps. If you want to, have a a strong future right? it's bizarre uh man so if you're dc united how are you attacking fc cincinnati what are you focusing on Uh, especially with acosta out
1: for me i would want to continue to focus on what worked in the second half against the revs because you're going to get a team that wants to sit in and counter like the revs did um you've got to keep the ball moving you've got to be really sharp off the ball to break down um, any, any team that can competently crowd that their half of the field is always going to be difficult to break down. Um, uh, crossing into the box for Rooney against Boston is a bad idea. Don't hit a bunch of crosses. So Adam, uh, one of your pet peeves is something should be avoided uh, specifically yeah. for this game. They did um, send
0: in a lot of crosses against new England, um, they did. Uh, but they were early crosses. Most of them were, were early or low. Yeah, exactly. They weren't the kind of crosses where you get the ball in the corner, you run out of ideas, and you just send one in. Right. Um, even Areolas, he he cut back early enough that the defense what was still scrambling um, for for Hara's goal. But yeah, I, um, I I sign off on the don't just send in crosses.
1: Yeah, um, but but the ma- the major thing I think is except that you're going to be in possession um, because I. Even if Cincinnati doesn't want to sit in and bunker, DC should be able to own possession because they're simply the better soccer team. They're better on the ball than the guys that Cincinnati are going to put on the field. Um, And they should be faster in the midfield, so they should also be able to disrupt what Cincinnati is doing. So they should be constantly in control of the game. Um, It is important to take risks in the right spaces. Um, You don't want to be losing the ball when just when, and United's had a knack for doing this, unfortunately, they tend to lose the ball just when the fullbacks or wingbacks finally engage in the attack. It's in that moment, you can't lose the ball there. Um And I'm sure Cincinnati will be looking to maybe force turnovers in that moment rather than just any old turnover Um, because that's when they'll be able to get out on the run and catch DC with numbers down. Um And, you know, obviously they're going to look to try and play in behind. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether Olsen wants to have Pines at right center back again, or if he wants to switch him back with Briant. There is an argument for both because if Cincinnati plays Mane on the left, you might need someone fast on that that right side of the back three to get out there. On the other hand, if they play Maddox, you're going to need somebody fast to catch up with Maddox. So um, that's definitely something I'm, I'm interested to see what Olsen's going to do there because uh, I mean, I could be preparing for a situation that doesn't exist because Dame might say Mane is underneath the forward and that's that. Um, but yeah, the other thing I would say, if there's a player I would focus on, um, Leonardo Bertone has been pretty good, uh, given that he's on a sinking ship in Cincinnati. Um, he's played for um he's one of the many players to come to mls from switzerland which we used to be very familiar with a bunch of those guys um i think he's been really good um it's just that the what's going on around him has been too bad for him to be more well noticed more appreciated um but his free kick service has been good uh he's a good tempo setter uh when they do get on the ball he tends to be the guy that connects things for them connects things for them Um, so he's the guy that if you shut him down, Cincinnati is probably going to have trouble creating anything. Um, even their attempts to go for the home run ball is probably going to be taken off the table. Um, so yeah, I I think it's a matchup that on, on paper, it it points to DC winning. They should be able to control this game, break down that bunker and get scoring chances that they'll put away. Um, it really comes down to though. Are we going to see the DC United that played the second half against the revs? then good job. Uh, if we're going to see the one that played the first half against the Revs, then this game is possibly going to go wrong. And Cincinnati could end up getting, you know, sort of like with Houston, they got out to a three, nothing lead and then hung on for dear life. Um, that it's possible.
0: This is a game DC United absolutely needs to, to win. If you look at the standings, like they're United are in second place, but at the same time, they're also not in a comfortable position really at all. Um, New York's one point behind them. Atlanta's two points with the game in both teams with the game in hand. Montreal's two points behind. NYC is three points behind and Toronto's a little further back, six points back, but it's not a lot of breathing space between uh, a spot challenging for, for the top spot and a, a place, you know, where you're starting to worry about that red line creeping up behind you. So, Three points here against the worst team in the conference. Actually, wait, checking the standings. Yeah, worst worst team in the league, points-wise and points-per-game-wise. Um, you got to win this, even, even on the road. Um, I, I would very much prefer to see the team from the second half against New England out there just dominating things and making sure this isn't a, a competitive game. And it's it's more of a walk, but they, they have to show up from the first minute um, as the Chicago Fire learned as bad as they are. They're also very, very bad, um, allowing gold literally in the first minute against Cincinnati. So hopefully we do see that team. But even if we don't, even if we see something less than that, this this still has to be a win, especially with Atlanta looming on Sunday. Anything else to talk about, Ben? Any recommendations for people who are traveling to Cincinnati? No.
2: (laughs) Eat the chili. Eat the burgers. It's all good.
0: In the spirit of comedy, I'm not even going to challenge any of that. Thank you all for for listening. Uh, Find us at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. We're on Twitter at Filibuster DCU, at Black and Red U, plus all our personal accounts. Emails go to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Mostly, though, please tell a friend about the show. That's the best way to get the word out. Uh, so when you're watching the game at a bar or huddled around the laptop, or or I guess it's on ESPN, you don't even have to huddle around the laptop unless you want to no judgment uh tell a friend about the show uh we really appreciate that so for jason and ben i'm adam and we'll talk to you again real soon
1: say goodbye jason one year for halloween i dressed as the noid